Welcome to Dear Husband, Dear Wife with Danny and Jenny Fuentes, a podcast about dating, marriage, and sex, where we break it down, keep it real, and unashamedly go there. Our goal is to foster a space that welcomes you to have conversations with us regarding these topics. And since we believe in seeking the truth about these topics, we guarantee to keep a biblical perspective in all things related. So go ahead and grab your favorite drink and or put those earbuds because it's about to get real. Welcome to episode numero dos, one? Oh no. <laughs> one, episode one. Welcome um, to Dear, Dear Husband, Husband, Dear, Dear Wife, Wife with Danny and Jenny Fuentes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the fountains. So this episode, we're going to talk about just basically, we're going to go back to the beginning of, you know, just our personal lives as individuals and the, you know, some of the things that we experienced growing up and how that plays a role in our lives today. I think this applies to everyone, uh, regardless of who you are, where you're from and how old you are. Um, the environment that you've been in, the the friendships that you've obtained, the relationships that you've been through and, and, and have, if you have any right now, um, they all play a role. Everything plays a role. Who we are today is molded and shaped by the things that we've experienced in our past. And so I feel that all of this is connected to some extent. Obviously, because we're human, there's a lot of baggage that we all carry as individuals. And unfortunately, a lot of us don't realize that we carry a lot of this stuff into our current lives today. And it is one of the reasons as to why certain relationships don't work or we find ourselves asking the big question, why do I keep losing people that I love or whatever? Yes, yeah, so we definitely want to go ahead and just kind of give you a glimpse of where we grew up or even our perspective and relationships before we met. So this is a little bit of a glimpse inviting you into our story yeah. on how we were shaped, our home environment shaped our perspective regarding relationships. Yeah. So grab a drink, um, go ahead and relax. If you yeah. are on a walk, continue to do your walk. If you're working out, thank you so much for inviting us into your workout. But we are here to share. And so to kick it off, I'm going to have Danny go ahead and start us off. Yes. So I was an average kid growing up. Um, you know, I wasn't rich. I Nothing was handed to me on a silver platter. Average parents. Um, my childhood was kind of kind of intense in in regard to discipline. Um, so growing up, I always felt like I wasn't good enough. I couldn't perform to the expectations, and so I had a lot of identity issues as a kid growing up, because again, I always felt like, you know, everyone else was always more important or, you know, had something to offer. And so I always felt like there was something missing and, you know, I needed to find what that X factor was to feel complete. So the friends that I had growing up were definitely not the right kind of friends I should have had. And relationships that I got mixed in were definitely not the kind that I should have gotten into. Um, 
I will admit, again, this is an episode that we want to be very transparent and authentic with. Um, so at a very, very young age, I was exposed to pornography. And I can tell you that I was very, very young because I, till this day, I actually remember the first time I ejaculated. How old were you? Uh, I think I was like 11 like 11 years old and I remember it was it was in um so, some lady used to give me a ride um after school from school to to the house and so there were a bunch of other kids that this woman would give a ride to as well and this one day I was the only one that she gave a ride to there was nobody else and so that was the first time I ejaculated in the back of her van and I was scared to death because I was like, holy crap, I'm dying. Something's coming out of my body and I don't know what it is. But I was exposed to pornography at a young age. Um, I didn't know what it was, to be honest with you. I had never seen a pornographical image prior to that, to that moment. So when I saw this image, and this was way before YouTube, way before the internet exploded and smartphones and things like that. So my definition of access to pornography was literally physical. You had to have physical magazines. You couldn't get it anywhere else unless you had a computer at home and, you know, and access to internet. But I think back then it was all what DSL. So you had to have like a separate you had to bring phone line and you connect it to your computer and then you had to have you had to find like an open line or something like that we are in our mid-30s by the way sign yes, up yes <laughs> so. um but again this was you know at a very very young age so when my friend showed me this uh magazine i was i was very confused because how the the thought came to my mind like oh is is this what women have like is that what they look like under their clothes and i seriously asked myself that question because again i never i never saw a naked woman ever so i remember the first thing that i that my eyes locked in on were you know the woman's chest and so i was like oh is that what they like is that what they are like so i was very confused and <clears throat> Honestly, I was very at the you know at the same time intrigued and curious because I was like, "Whoa, this is like something out of the ordinary. You don't see this every day, and and that's what that looks like." And so after that moment, everything completely changed, and I mean everything. Um, my parents were not the kind of people to sit and talk to me about love and respect and you know how you treat a woman and and you know what you can and cannot do i never had that conversation um i grew up you know in the church um, my mom accepted christ when i was very very little and so you know started going to church but obviously you know as a kid growing up when you go to church you're just going to church because you know people and that's it it's very rare if you find a child that goes to church because he wants to seek the lord but no i did not have any concern for the Lord. I just, I was a kid and there was nothing else I could do about it. So I was at church all the time. Um, and so again, you know, my parents never really had that kind of approach with us. I don't know if it was because they just feared that if they talked to me that I would even, you know, I would become more curious. I wasn't sure. I didn't know why, but 
this was something that they just never talked about. And so growing up in the church, you know, you learn about things that you can and cannot do. And, you know, you don't listen to secular music. You don't curse. You know, you don't treat people bad. And definitely don't have sex before marriage. And you don't do drugs. And you don't drink. And basically a lot of do's and don'ts. Um, and so that was my that was my upbringing. You know, my at least for me, my brothers and my mom. Um, sorry, for me and my brothers. Um, my dad wasn't much into church. Uh, he did at some point go to church. He accepted the Lord, but then he stopped. And I think, you know, I think it was just something that, that took place in his life that he was probably not okay with and or maybe scared to, to make a decision. And so he just kind of backed away, and that was that. Um, but for me and my brothers, that, I mean, church was practically all of our lives. And so, you know, when I started to like really fall into the addiction of pornography, it was completely out of control, completely out of control. I was doing pornography like on a regular basis. Um, and again, this was like before, you know, the internet like really exploded. So I would find it on TV if I could. I remember at some point um, I started asking my friend for like magazines and I would hide them at home. And um, I remember at one point, my mom actually found those magazines. And I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna die. Like, I'm gonna die. So, you know, she found them and she really didn't get upset. She just looked very concerned and just told me that, you know, to not do it because it was wrong. And I think she just threw away the magazines. And so again, it was just something like, oh, okay. I, you know, I didn't get scolded for it. So I was like, well, I guess, you know, we continue. But that was the case. Like we, I, you know, kept looking at pornography and and got really, really deep into it to the point where it just completely changed my entire perspective on women. I thought that that's what women liked. I thought that that's what girls wanted. And when it came down to, you know, someone having feelings for me, I saw that as a sexual opportunity. Like my mind instantly went into, I'm gonna bang this chick. Simple as that. She likes me, I'm in her pants, I'm good. And you know, it's it completely distorted everything because that's all I thought about. That's all I thought, that's all I wanted. I couldn't stop thinking about porn, I couldn't stop thinking about sex. And it trickled into church. Like I, you know, I started looking at girls at church sexually. I started fantasizing about them sexually, you know, and then it kind of, it started to grow to the point where I started to like fantasize, you know, older women sexually. If I thought that an older woman was very attractive, then that was it. In my mind, she was being degraded, period. And so it affected a lot. It affected a lot. It was almost impossible for me to have an experience in my life where I had feelings for the opposite sex and that was it, you know? And again, I never had the conversation of like, hey, what do I do if I like this girl? You know, like, how do I go about that? Do I like bury it and never talk about it? Or, you know, do I, you know, constantly, you know, 
run to something that makes my life more busy so that I don't think about those feelings. I never had that conversation. So because I never had that conversation, I didn't know what to do. So I just figured I just run with it. And because everything that that I learned about relationship and, and girls and sex all came from pornography, I instantly connected it to pornography. So if if a girl liked me, in my mind, I was going to have sex at some point. The question was not, will I have sex? The question was, how am I going to have sex? How am I going to get to that point? Mm. And so that's where, you know, I changed who I was and as a person growing up and I started to become very manipulative and, you know, I started to, you know, become a very, very like big, you know, flirt. And I started saying things that girls wanted to hear. I started acting in ways that girls wanted me to. I basically gave them what they wanted and it worked. It honestly did. But, you know, if, if I could show you all the lives that I've ruined and destroyed and, and have damaged it would be probably very, very sad to, to see that. But that was, that was my staple. That was my life. I really didn't have a normal childhood. It was completely you know, taken from me because of pornography. And till this day, I'm 34 years old. And it still, it still affects me. I've, I've been fighting this for such a long time that most times I ask myself if it's worth the fight still because it's very exhausting. And mind you, my wife and I live in Santa Barbara where every summer it's like almost every Caucasian girl out here calls each other. Any girl. And, and just like, hey, are we going to wear the most provocative thing we can because it's somewhat hot? And everyone walks outside wearing, you know, revealing clothes. And I'm like, crap, you know? So it's, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. I don't, you know, I just wake up every day. I go to work. I keep my head down and I come home. And it's, again, it's a, it's a thought in the back of my mind that that constantly like picks at me, you know? And again, it's, it's, a, it's a battle, but thankfully enough, you know, I have someone in my life that cares for me and, and fights for me and prays for me and, and sees the best in me, even though I can't see it in myself. And so she's a constant reminder that I am not what I grew up as, I am not pornography. I am not uh, a perverted guy. That's not what I was made to do. That's not what God intended for me, but that I was made to be loved, to experience first and foremost the love of God, and also to experience true love the way God intended it to be, whole, pure, kind, sincere not perverted and, and, and disgusting like those images that I expose myself to. But that's, that's what God desires for me. And so I'm grateful that today I have someone that, that's with me, that stands by my side and fights, and fights with me as well. Yeah, and I think it's so important to actually 
remind anyone who's listening, whether it be a man or a woman, a young woman, a young man, pornography has affected and has affected so many uh, individuals. You don't necessarily have to be a man to be addicted to pornography. We know a couple of young women who have been addicted to pornography and how that has affected them. And I don't know if it's cultural, but just like Danny was previously saying, we really didn't talk about these things at home. We really didn't much do much when it came to these things at home. And so um, it wasn't it wasn't until um, I don't know. I mean, for me, it was different, I guess, if anything, it was definitely I was not exposed to pornography by the grace of God. I definitely did not have um, many issues as what my husband would say, but what I was exposed to was definitely an unhealthy home environment. Uh, I, I love my parents to death. I really do. Um, I would do anything for them. And my husband can echo that and confirm that. But unfortunately, my parents, just like probably many of us too, um, we, they're flawed. They're human. We're all human. We're all flawed and made and created so many mistakes that I got to witness in their marriage. And from verbal abuse, physical abuse, to emotional abuse. And for me, I thought that was the norm. I thought that was supposed to be something that uh, was normal. So if a guy was respectful, if a guy was kind and gentle, if a guy gave me an opportunity to speak up, I thought that was weird. <laughs> I thought that was definitely um, not the norm, <laughs> that that guy must be someone who probably wasn't relationship quality because I needed a man who was more of a machista, that's the word that we use in the Latino culture, or a man who didn't allow me to speak up, and I had to be this housewife. And that was my mentality growing up, I would say, until probably my teens. And then when I hit 13, something shifted in me. Um, I actually gave my life to Jesus at that age. I actually got baptized at that time. And then I started really, really just devoting my life to wanting to explore the love of God and what God really intended for my life. And it was in that age that I realized that love was not verbally abusive. Love was not physically abusive, but love was gentle. It was kind. It was true. It was all about peacemaking and not constantly having to fight or argue. That love was something that you would endure. And so, and the best love, the best model to love was God. And so I did what an abnormal young lady would do. And that is I started praying for my husband. And I'm an avid journal writer. My husband always gives me crap for buying a bunch of journals. And so I definitely, you know, at the age of 13, I just started journaling. And I started definitely writing to God about what I wanted to find in a husband. So yeah, in that list, I definitely had, oh, I want a musician, or I thought I was going to marry a guy with green eyes and light-skinned. Nope, I ended up marrying the brownest guy in here with the black hair and brown eyes. But um, other than that, I just started speaking life over my future husband. And I didn't date through high school. 
I wanted to. I had major questions on guys, but by the grace of God, it just never happened for me. And was I was teased a lot. In fact, I was called Virgin Lips and Virgin Mary because I just didn't want to kiss any other guy. I just didn't want to be in relationships with any random guy. And I just made a promise and a vow to myself and to God that I wanted to wait till I found the man that I was going to marry. And so little did I know that those prayers were going to come into effect later on in my life. So I know that I wanted to definitely wait and I wanted to definitely allow God to guide me to the guy who was going to be my husband. And my perspective about marriage shifted, as I said, in my teens. I did have a dad who really raised us to be independent. We're three girls that, um, with my dad. We're five in general. Like My mom had two previous relationships, so I have two older siblings. But I'm the oldest from my dad's um, daughters, and I am the middle child. From my five from from my four siblings, so that also kind of shaped in a way who I became and what I thought about people and relationships and men. And so for me, it was just the idea that I wanted what God had envisioned for me, and so that was my intentionality behind it. It's definitely different. We're definitely completely the opposite. I would say our stories are so one radical spectrum to the other you have a guy who's definitely exposed to pornography his drive is pornography at the beginning Mm -hmm. um and that's his relationship before we met and then you have me the young girl the little girl who grew up in a very traumatic home environment but who for you know by the grace of god i would just say it um was praying for her husband at the age of 13. So that was definitely interesting. And we that kind of influenced a lot our relationship at the beginning when we first met in 2005. Mind you, there was a lot of wounds that I had not dealt with yet and a lot of insecurities and a lot of um, doubts that I had regarding relationships, even regarding myself, my image, and whatnot. So those things definitely did impact the way that I carried myself in the first couple of years of our relationship. And then you have a young man addicted to pornography falling for a girl who definitely has made it very clear that she has not had a boyfriend and that she wants to wait and that she really has never been kissed and that she really wants to, you know, do things right. And boy, oh boy, did that really affect us. Little did we know that the enemy was going to utilize both of us to destroy us But I love what the word of God says, that whatever the enemy has intended for evil, he will intend it for good for those who love him. And though it was initially intended to destroy us, 
we are here now and we are a testimony of the grace of God and what God does when we allow healing to happen. So this is our story, the beginning of our story. This is before we met. In our next episode, we can't wait to share with you how we met and a little bit more of how that influenced. And just so you know, we want to share our story first so that you understand where we are coming from when we start tapping into topics such as porn, such as family trauma, such as sex, such as marriage, such as engagement and dating. Yeah, um, I hope that you guys, again, just come at this with an open heart. We're not here to tell you what to do. Definitely not here to shame you or make you feel less than what you are. The sole purpose of this podcast is just to for us to share what we've been through. The, the hurt, the pain, the, the, the experiences that we've encountered in our personal lives. And how at the same time, a lot of churches today are afraid to talk about it because of whatever reason. But someone has to do it. You know, some people are brave enough to, to talk about it and others are not. So we are using this platform to, to go about it. So we just want you guys to know that we are here for you. We're not here to condemn you. We're not here to judge you. If, if you are going through a lot of these things that we just talked about in this first episode, we want you to know that there is hope. Yeah. This is not the end. This is not how your story finishes. Nope. You're not just going to close that book and God's going to forget about you. That's not how it works. You were created by the Lord for the sole purpose of serving him to the fullest of your capacity and more. And so you have a story to tell. You have a story to share. And so we just hope and we pray that you guys would join us and that you would walk beside us as well, that we would partner together and, and stand for, for what the Lord intended, for love to be pure, to, to, to change things around, to not continue to allow this world to just make it worse, but for us to take a stand and say, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to let this happen anymore. And to be that change. So thank you guys for listening. I hope that this was encouraging. And we'll definitely catch you guys on the next episode. Absolutely. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful day or night. And thank you again for listening. Adios. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in. We really enjoyed hanging out with you. If you really enjoyed hanging out with us too, then we ask you for one simple favor. Go ahead and leave us a review and let us know how we did. We thank you so much and we really appreciate your time. We look forward to seeing you next week. Adios.